0: For some people um, in the area that's treated, the fat grows and hardens and lodges in your body. And so some people, instead of having less fat, they now had more fat and it was like hard as a rock. And there were some where it was like, like big masses, like big masses in their abdomen that had to actually, then you have to go and you have to have surgery to remove it.
1: Prioritizing profits, prioritizing, prioritizing, dangerous
0: drug and product cases.
1: Welcome everyone to another episode of Prioritizing Profits, Dangerous Drugs and Products. Welcome, welcome. Very excited. Uh, Just got back from Vegas this most recent weekend. Um, it's Wednesday today that we're recording, got back Saturday, barely just finished recovering. Thank (laughs) God we had a few days.
0: I was fine. I'm just going to say I didn't require that much recovering, but then again, I was also the one who was back in the room at like nine 30 or 10 or maybe 11 on a couple of occasions.
1: Definitely a little bit more responsible than me for sure. Um, but let's get into just Vegas overall, because this is our second MTMP. We went last year, we kind of covered what exactly MTMP was last time. Um, But I don't know if you want to start just going over kind of how Vegas was for you.
0: It's um, Mass Tort's Made Perfect. And it's a gathering of attorneys from across the country who are involved in various mass tort projects. And we all get together twice a year, um, every April and every October. And it's a great opportunity to um, get updated on the cases that maybe you're not personally involved in um, and just learn about what the new new cases are on the horizon, what you might want to get involved in, what people might want to know about. Um, And it's uh, pretty much, you know, everybody who's in the know is there. It's a place to be, (laughs) to be and be seen for sure. That's Vegas.
1: Yeah, it seems like pretty much. Well, it gives you a good idea of of almost a roadmap for the upcoming or upcoming Mm -hmm. year about what cases to keep an eye out for and even old cases like you mentioned and updates on those.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, definitely cases that we've been working on. I mean, I was in a hernia mesh meeting and we've been working on those cases for over five years. So, yeah, just um, again, catching up, meeting with people, um, kind of uh, planning, strategizing. Um, all of that yeah. and having some fun as well because, uh, you know, it's in Vegas. What I, I
1: was about to say, I mean, this, that's my favorite part about these conventions. And I think it's no coincidence that so many different areas of business have their conventions in Vegas. I know when we were there, there was the unions, like unions from all across the mm-hmm. country were coming and, and meeting there. Um, some guy I was talking to at the table, there was a sign convention, you know, signs. like neon signs, oh, well that makes sense signs. in Vegas. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I didn't even realize that was a massive market, but I guess you know they had a big convention out there as well. Um, but the best part, I mean, is that there's business; you get a lot of work done. But you also have the ability to kind of enjoy yourself in uh, the event, hosts events, or hosts kind of like... Entertainment. Op- yeah. yeah.
0: Parties and comedian. Um, I'm just going to say that as far as getting a lot of work done, some of us might have done a little less work than others. <laughs> I'm not pointing fingers or anything. But. No, no
1: need to call me out. It's <laughs> a little messed up. It's okay. It's okay.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but you, did the, you got to schmooze with people. You learned a lot. Um, but if it was an early morning, Ben was probably not there, so...
1: Yeah, early mornings aren't my best, but I did go through the hall and I talked to everyone and got a good idea of all the different types of businesses that were there. A lot of lead organizations that, you know, sell leads and whatnot. But, um, you know, I was really sad I missed the mimosa bar. That sounded fantastic.
0: (laughs) Well, don't worry. They have it every time. It's mimosas and Bloody Marys.
1: And last time we were there, uh, I remember they rented out omnia at caesar's palace which if anyone hasn't been to caesar palace i mean omnia is like the center main club in there the only or the, yeah their big club it is massive i mean absolutely huge and they rent out the entire thing for a few hours open bar and they did the same thing this time but right. it was uh, excess excess yeah. yeah
0: club excess which is in the win well i kind of kind of between the win and the yeah. encore encore yes right between yeah. the win and the encore
1: yeah. And that was a fantastic time. I mean, I, we had Fernie out there. He was getting some good videos. We'll definitely post some oh, teasers yeah, yeah, there. Yeah. But I mean, everyone was just jamming out on the dance floor. I mean, it was open bar. So everyone was definitely <laughs> vibing and feeling themselves a little bit.
0: Yeah, no, it was, it was a lot of fun. And it was great. And, and as Ben said, we got to have Fernando, who is kind of our behind the scenes guy, does all of the video. He'll be editing this for any mess ups and bloopers we might have. But uh, yeah, so he got to come out and actually meet us in person for the first time. We've been working remotely. Um, this whole time. And that was kind of exciting. He actually does exist in real life.
1: Yeah, man's an absolute dog. I mean, <laughs> I was hitting the tables with him and uh, he was getting a little bit better luck than me, but he knows what he's doing. It's nice yeah. having kind of guiding arm there.
0: Uh, yeah, yeah. Was uh, good times for sure.
1: Well, we might as well just hop right into it as well with just interesting cases, interesting updates, news.
0: Sure. So, um, interesting cases in the news. There's some kind of juicy things this week, um, and a couple of things involving like cosmetic surgery procedures, which seems apropos coming home from. Las Vegas, kind of the land of the showgirls and legal <laughs> prostitution. I don't know. Perfect bodies. There's, you know, if you're going to see them, that's for the place. Makes sense. Yeah. So um, the first one, and this is really interesting, um a big story came out in the New York times and it involves the cool sculpting procedure. And I don't know if you've heard about this, but it's, yeah, how did you, have you missed this?
1: But, cool sculpting? Well, I'm not really in the industry of,
0: yeah, uh, <laughs> well, so the thing is it's, I mean, there's billboards everywhere. It's just this huge procedure. Um, and basically what it is, is it's a device that you, you put this device on um, problem areas on your body and it basically freezes your fat cells. And so you see it's sounding familiar now, right? It is yeah, so the process is you and, it, and they're in dermatologist offices, um, med spas, you know, as well as plastic surgery offices, but it's not surgery, and so it's super appealing because it's you know basically they say no downtime, um, and you can you know melt away, freeze, and then melt away your fat. So what supposedly happens is this device is applied um, and it freezes the fat, and then over the course of the next few weeks, the fat cells uh, break down, die, get absorbed into your body, and you're supposed to be able to spot reduce. And so um, huge, uh, I mean, huge popular product. Um, but guess what? There's problems or we wouldn't be talking about it, right?
1: Sounds a little too good to be true.
0: It sounds too good to be true. And, you know, the problem, again, is that the companies promote it as, you know, low risk or no risk, Um it, Inexpensive. well, it's not terribly inexpensive. It, it, I think it averages about thirty-two hundred dollars. Yeah, it's about thirty-two hundred dollars for the for the procedure. Um, which yeah, I mean it's less than surgeries. Um and but basically it's you know, you come in, spend your okay, I actually think they promoted it as doing it at fat loss on your lunch hour. <laughs>
1: I love right, that. Right. Yeah, just have like a Big Mac and freeze off the, the calories. Yeah. Easy peasy.
0: So, I mean, it just got crazy, and there and people, we don't really like buying these machines. Um, I think it made, was it like over $2 billion so far? Insane. Yeah. I mean, big deal. Obviously, something that a lot of people, it's going to appeal, appeal to a lot of people. The problem is that, yes, there's a risk, and it was really downplayed, really downplayed at the beginning. Um, but what the risk is, and it's a big, nasty thing, it's called PAH, or paradoxical adipose hyperplasia.
1: That's a mouthful.
0: It is, it is, but it's nasty. Basically what it is, is that for some people um, in the area that's treated, the fat grows and hardens, and lodges in your body. And so some people, instead of having less fat, they now had more fat and it was like hard as a rock. And there were some where it was like, like big masses, like big masses in their abdomen that had to actually, then you have to go and you have to have surgery to remove it. And, and you, it's basically a deformity. I mean, it's, yeah. it's you know very traumatic. And here are these people going and trying to think they're going to look better and they come out looking significantly worse.
1: Yeah. And I mean, especially in kind of the beauty field product area, I mean, this entire area, right? It's, you're kind of preying on people's insecurities. People are coming to these places already, you know, maybe not feeling great about themselves, about their body, whatever it may be, and looking for, you know, a remedy. And and when you offer a quick fix like this, that yeah. seems like it has no downside. I mean, you know, doing it in, in, in a lunch break, right, where you can just kind of go and get it done and go straight back to work. That sounds incredibly appealing to a ton of people.
0: Yeah, yeah. And that's why they've made so much money. Um, problem is, again, when they first came out, they were saying that the risk, they they were aware of this potential problem. Mm-hmm. They were initially saying the risk was about 1 in 20,000. Um, as, as time went on, there were some problems actually with people realizing that this was related. Because, again, you have the procedure and then you're not even expected to see good results for several weeks. And so then these bad results would come up weeks or months later, and people wouldn't know that it was related. They thought, well, maybe I've gained back weight. I mean, sometimes it was obvious if it was like a big rock-like substance, that sort of thing. Um, But so there were not a lot of reports. People didn't understand that the issues that they were having were necessarily related. Um, I think the reason for the big story and um, what what really brought this to light was um, Linda Evangelista, who was a big supermodel in the eighties and nineties. She had this procedure done um, I think it was in 2021. At least she came out and, and, and uh, talked about it and filed the lawsuit in 2021. And she had the procedure done on various parts of her body, and she had this horrible reaction. And, I mean, literally she said that she became a recluse. She would not leave her home. Wow. I mean, here's this woman who, you know, was absolutely, you know, one of the top beauties in the country, in the world, yeah. probably. Um, and now, you know, not only has she not improved these little areas where she wanted to lose some fat, but I mean, there's there actually was a a whole story in People a few months back, and she showed some pictures with her clothes on. But I mean, it, it, I mean, it was crazy. And this was after multiple surgeries, and she could afford to have all these surgeries yeah. to try to improve it. Um, So when she came out, all of a sudden the complaints started flooding in because people were like, oh, my God, Mm -hmm. that's what happened to me, too. That's a result of that. Um, And so the complaints, I think they went from... Right following Linda Evangelista coming out about this whole situation, that year there were 1,100 adverse, patient, adverse event reports, more than they'd had in the entire 10 years before. Wow. And then um, last year there was more than 1,900. So people are, are figuring this out. Mm-hmm. Um, and the doctors, you know, the doctors who are performing the procedure, of course, they know also that there might be this small risk. Um, but they started coming forward and saying, wait a minute. I'm, I'm in this relatively small practice, and I'm having multiple patients that have this PAH. It's not one in 20,000. Um, and in fact, in 2017, a group of um, doctors came out and said that they believed it was one in 100
1: Oh my God. And that was in 2017. And you mentioned that she filed the lawsuit in 2021. Right. Right. So this has been out for a little bit. And unfortunately, this is kind of what happens is that once one person, especially, you know, whether it's an individual or, or a law firm comes out and says like, oh, this is an issue. Then all of a sudden there's a flood of people that also had this issue, but just didn't make that connection.
0: Right. And it's still a little bit different too, because, you know, people have some kind of a little bit of an issue about it. They're like, oh, I went in. First of all, you know, when people have plastic surgery, how many times do they not tell anybody? They want it to be big secret. Yeah, right. Yeah. And so this is, again, one of those things where it's even easier to keep it as a secret because you can do it on your lunch hour. It's not like you're going to miss work for a week or two weeks or something to recuperate. So I think that there's a little bit of shame involved in it yeah. also. And then feeling like, oh, you know, was I being too vain? Um, did I somehow deserve this? And, you know, uh, kind of hesitancy, um, Another reason that there were not a lot of complaints is that when people did have problems and they would contact the company, um, and the company that owns it now is Allergan Aesthetics, which is part of AbbVie, um, when they would contact the company, the company would oftentimes say, "Well, we're really sorry this happened, and yes, it is a rare occurrence, but and we're willing to pay for your surgeries to have correct, you know, to have these corrective surgeries." However you got to sign a non-confidential liability agreement. You can't tell anybody. Wow. Right? And so mm-hmm. people can't afford to do the surgeries unless they have the company pay for it. And now they have to keep their mouths shut.
1: And then and, and how does that play out when, you know, a case comes out and it says, like, you can't actually pursue money. If they sign that document, does that mean they can't pursue it down the line? Yeah.
0: If they've signed a settlement agreement. And so basically they presumably settled for whatever the amount okay. was. Mm. Yeah. That's it. They're done. They're through. But they also are not reporting um, that they've had these problems. Yeah. And so these numbers are staying super low that anybody knows about when really they're significantly, significantly higher.
1: And what makes it even worse too, is the model that you mentioned, you know, she, she had the money for the surgery and she was getting these surgeries, but it wasn't completely fixing the issue. So even these individuals that can't afford it and they have to reach out to the, to the company itself and have them pay for the surgeries thinking, you know, this is going to fix my problems, you know, oh, okay, I can't talk about it, but I, it will fix my problems they go and get the surgeries and it still doesn't?
0: Yeah, sometimes it doesn't and even if even if there's an improvement they can remove this, you know, that these fat clumps at this point uh, in masses you know first of all now you've had an invasive surgery which you were trying to avoid in the first place you've got scarring and then you have whatever the risks are to undergo that corrective surgery Mm -hmm. so i mean you go you know this started as being a you know quick thing low risk lunch hour i'm going to look better and all of a sudden years later you're tens of thousands of dollars in um you've had surgeries you're permanently scarred you know again even if the masses are removed you've got scarring from the surgery to get in there and remove them so um i mean it's really a been a nightmare for a lot of people. And I think it'll be really interesting also now that this New York Times story came out and then the people story, how many more people are going to come forward. Mm -hmm. Um, and hopefully people will be more cognizant of the actual risks if they're going, if they're going to go in and consider this procedure. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, it's great to, you know, lose a little bit of fat, but this wasn't for huge. This wasn't like, you know, I mean, this was like spot reduction. Um, and, and it was a quick fix, but it's, um, you know, in my opinion, not worth it.
1: And and what, what makes, well, what I wonder about as well is that once this information starts coming out, once these articles start coming out, and you even mentioned kind of the doctors, the ones that are in a smaller practice, and they knew it was a rare occurrence, but then they start seeing all, you know, several of their patients coming with these issues. Do you think there's going to be a reduction in, you know, doctors willing to use it? Is it, uh, I mean, at what point do, do is it kind of on the doctors once that information comes out to stop offering it
0: well i think the the i, I think it's ultimately not on the doctors if they are completely honest and open and give and, and explain the actual risks yeah. now the the issue with well some of the doctors have said absolutely they are not, they don't use it anymore yeah. that's it I don't want to deal with this. You know, they're having to deal with these patients. And oftentimes, like with a pl- plastic surgery kind of practice, these are repeat customers. They're going to come back and get things as stuff keeps falling and yeah. sagging and all that kind of stuff. But, I mean, they have to then come back, deal with the patient who's just devastated and distraught, and, I mean, that's not good business for them either. So there's some that absolutely have stopped using the product, um, but it's still out there, and, and uh, they're taking the position that it, it still is a relatively rare occurrence. Mm-hmm. What they're currently saying... Is one in 3,000. So the company went from initially one in 20,000 down to one in 10,000. Now there's, there are kind of copping to one in 3000, yeah. but what are the real numbers? You know, like I said, that one group of doctor came, doctors came out and they said it looked like one in a hundred. Um, and, and I think that these numbers are going to change up also as again, is there's more publicity out there and people come, come forward more. Yeah. Um, Oh, and one of the other things that I thought was interesting. In fact, when I was talking to, to, to my husband, Peter about this, who is a doctor and he's always questioning all oh, this study, this number, this blah, blah, blah. <laughs> um, uh, he was talking about, you know, how they got to those numbers and the reason that they can say one in 3,000 is they actually based it on the number of um, procedures sold, not the number of procedures performed. And that's important because they sell them in packages. So it's not a one-time thing. And so if somebody has buys <clears throat> six procedures and has one of them then that then the numbers are you know it's one yeah it, it, it's down to yeah I, I, <laughs> I'm not a mathematician but anyway they're they're they the numbers significantly
1: yeah. And it sounds like they're just getting closer and closer to this one in 100. And and something that you mentioned as well is that a lot of these doctors that are performing this have the repeat customers, which, oh, yeah. which seems like, you know, when if something like this is so likely and if it does happen, I mean, that is the complete opposite of what, you know, you're going to that doctor for. Yeah. I would imagine them to start cutting down on, on – offering this service. Yeah.
0: Or, or being really, really clear about the risks and making sure that the people understand that. And again, as always within any of these cases, you know, if you know what the risk is, you can choose to accept a super high risk if you want to, but you got to know, I mean, if the risk is dramatically, if, you know, if it's one in a hundred and they've told you it's one in 20,000, that's not fair. Mm -hmm. That's, you didn't make, you know, that was not a fair opportunity for to you for you to weigh the risks and benefits of the procedure and decide if you want to accept the risk.
1: Yeah. And it's so scary too, because, you know, even if you hear one in 20,000 and someone that might be pessimistic might say, okay, maybe they're just being really generous. Maybe it's more like one in 10,000. But then when realistically, even now they're <laughs> saying it's to... one in 3,000 and that's with the numbers kind of skewed a little bit.
0: Yeah. That is insane.
1: The well, difference. I never
0: trust the numbers that they're giving, honestly. But, you know, I'm a little jaded in this business. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Peter would probably disagree with that
0: one. We argue a lot. But, and, and I'm constantly having to like, show him the studies and that sort of thing, which, you know, again, we're we're providing that information as well here because I understand that people can be skeptical. Some of these things just sound so outrageous and so crazy. Yeah. Um, and in fact, the information we're talking about now was just in this past weekend's New York Times. So, um, you know, that's a pretty... Pretty trustworthy trustworthy publication. And of course, they cited studies also.
1: Yeah. And it's always good to kind of do, you know, your own research on your own time if you're ever curious. But I know that Fernie's been throwing in some links to resources for anyone that might be curious about learning more about the stuff that we discuss on here. Um, And speaking of that, I think it's, I've been getting a lot of people reaching out to me saying that they've checked out the podcast and they've been enjoying it. And it's been great to hear, you know, one thing that really stood out to me was someone reached out and was like, yeah, after I watched your episode, I went and researched all my medications and made oh. sure it had that 7-year rule. It's been yeah. out on the market for 7 years and that's when you can kind of feel at least a little bit more comfortable about the the risks associated.
0: Uh-huh. Yeah. That's interesting. That's interesting. I mean, it's great. And again, really what we want to do is, you know, put some of this information out there. Um, you know, a lot of these things, it's, it, they come out and it's in the news and it's very brief and people don't hear about it and they just don't know about it. Um, and I think so many people really do trust the drug companies and think that they're all in it for, for the good. Um, and while there's part of that, it's again, we've talked about it's a, it's a money making business and it's a yeah. huge business.
1: And I can't blame them. I mean, I I would trust. And and, and the same thing kind of goes with the doctors, too. You know, they don't know any better. They're just going off what they're being told and the studies that they're being shown, even if they're being cherry-picked. Yeah. Um, And it's just definitely a scary idea to feel like there's people you can trust but doesn't seem to always work out
0: yeah yeah so um there, so linda evangelista filed suit there are some other cases against um the makers of cool sculpting um so that's a product um that we normally talk about the other thing in the news or the next thing in the news that um i want to talk about because it's it's been all over the place and and it's just one of those attention grabbing things is brazilian butt lifts Ooh, nice
1: <laughs> big fan of those <laughs>
0: Big oh, you're not going to be a big fan in a few minutes. Just, just give me some time, buddy. You are not <laughs> going to be a big fan of these things. Um, but, and so this, this is not a product per se. It's, go, it's going to be a medical procedure again, another cosmetic medical procedure. So it would be a medical malpractice case potentially, um, and that kind of falls within the purview of, of personal injury. That's a category in there mm-hmm. as well. So, um, you know, we do, we do also look at, at uh, medical malpractice cases. Anyway, these are it, what's come out. Why it's hit the news is that all of a sudden this is like the deadliest cosmetic procedure ever in the history of cosmetic procedures. Really? Right. And does it doesn't it, it, it doesn't sound like it would be, does it?
1: No. I mean, someone comes in and they just want a nice dump truck. I mean, how, <laughs> how can that be lethal in any way? If anything, they should be applauded for that.
0: All right. Well,
1: yeah. <laughs> too, too much, too much. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, so it, it sounds like, when, and when you hear about the procedure, um, it doesn't sound as terrible and as invasive as some procedures. I mean, with the whole facelift thing, I mean, you know, I mean, they're cutting and moving things, and it sounds, you know, it's 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 pretty significant. What they're doing here is it's it's a liposuction where they're taking fat out of the abdomen, the flanks um, you know, other areas. And they're then taking your own fat and injecting it, um, into your buttocks mm-hmm. so that you get like a badonkadonk. So your oh. is it thick as the saying or
1: something? <laughs> yeah. Two C's.
0: Yeah, exactly. So, and, and, and this, this procedure has gotten su- super popular in the last 20 years. I mean, it used to be everybody wanted like skinny little asses.
1: Yeah. And then Kim K, Kim K came in and said, Hey, this is what you guys are missing out on.
0: <laughs> she did. She did. And I don't know what's the debate is her, is hers real or do even I mean even they,
1: the the entire Kardashian family, you know, argues that they're all natural, but you look at older photos it's it's pretty clear that's not the case and even with, you know, them saying oh I work out. I think there's a clip out there of them uh, you know, working out and it is uh, nothing that would give them the uh attributes that they have for sure.
0: Uh, Well, I mean, I know I've I've worked out with trainers over the years. I mean, I've done so many squats, it's ridiculous. And there's I mean, nothing's happening back there. You
1: mean you can't throw 30 pounds on your ass by doing squats? Come on. That's that's reasonable.
0: (laughs) No, but I'm sure Zach's not going to go for the BBL. I can tell you that. So um so this is so this has gotten super popular and it's apparently the, the procedures have increased more than 800%. Wow. I mean people Jeez. really want some butt. They yeah. want, want some backwards, baby babies got back or, I don't <laughs> there's the old songs <laughs> There's that, a lot of them. A lot of them. Okay, we could go pretty bad with this. Anyway, so there was about 7400 in 2011, up to 61,420,
1: 2021.
0: Jeez. So this is like super popular. I mean, yeah. honestly, I don't know anybody who's had a butt lift. Do you?
1: No, no. Yeah. I mean, not around my age group, at least.
0: Yeah. So the hotspot for these really is South Florida. And people are flocking down there for these things. And it's become this just huge business. And so they have these like super high volume, low cost clinics. And they have these doctors who are doing like 11 in a day. <gasps> um, and- them out popping them. Well, yeah, popping them out. For pumping, sure. pumping <laughs> them out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So there, it's just crazy. And so the, the, what's happening, the reason, I guess I've kind of gotten ahead of myself. I'm on a rant here. But um, what the reason that it's so super dangerous, because again, it doesn't sound like it's that dangerous. You're just taking fat from one part of your body and you're putting it into another part of your body. Yeah. So it seems like you know, the way that they would describe it, it doesn't sound terrible. So the problem with this is that you can have what's called a PFE, and that's a pulmonary fat embolism. So when they're re-injecting that fat back into the buttocks, it can get into your blood vessels, and it can, you can block your pulmonary vessels, which can lead to respiratory failure and even death.
1: Jeez. Yeah, and
0: so people are dying. I mean, literally, people are dying from this. And sometimes within a few hours of the procedure, and people have traveled from all over the country, and and they're dying shortly afterwards, um, or sometimes even on the operating table, they're dying. Oh yeah. my
1: goodness! Yeah,
0: I mean, this gets in blocks. You know, you're you're done. So it's super super dangerous. Um, and there's been um, quite a, a furor about this in South Florida, um, and there there was actually an emergency. Uh, Um, rule that came out in 2022, saying for the Florida Medical Board, saying that the doctors could only perform no more than three per day, and they wanted them to use ultrasound. Because the issue with this is it's what they call a blind procedure. It's not like an open procedure. So they can't see. They're sticking this cannula um, underneath the skin.
1: I was going to ask, I mean, you mentioned that they just take the fat from one area of the body and put it into the the butt. But is it literally they just kind of just you know, pick a random spot, jam it in there and start injecting?
0: Well, I mean, it's not random. I mean, they're obviously getting, wanting to go for a certain look in the butt. So they're Fair. trying yeah. to, you know, sculpt. Um, but the problem is if they go too deep, if, if they stay really surface, then it's just the subcutaneous fat. And that's mm-hmm. not the dangerous part. But when they get further and into like the muscle area, that's where you can run into this problem. I see. And so one of the issues was they were, were trying to tell the, the the physicians, you know, to how to use the cannula to, you know, to use it on a, I think, a slant rather than directly down so it wouldn't go as deep, um, to use the ultrasound um, and just make sure that you're staying, you know, on the surface. Um, But when you have a doctor who's now doing 11 of these in a day, um, they apparently take around two and a half hours. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just like conveyor belt of, you know, yeah. butt lifts, you know, coming through. And
1: uh, it's shocking to hear, too, that, you know, there's what well, you said there was an emergency rule. Who who made this rule? Is it
0: So that was actually the Florida Medical Board. OK. Yeah. 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 There was enough issues. Um, and then they had sent this out to all of the plastic surgeons, some, you know, things that they should do to minimize the risk. And then they came out with the actual rule, they're trying to pass a permanent rule limiting to five a day. Yeah, um, This was just a very temporary kind of emergency, um, emergency regulation, because people, you know, were dying. And and from a, from a cosmetic procedure, again, I mean, you know, there are risks that you take when you're going to, you know, save your life or really enhance the quality of your life. But to have your butt thicker, um, people don't think they're going to die. I mean, that's crazy, isn't it?
1: Yeah. I mean, especially with kind of like the odds that it's sounding like that they're dying at, or at least the chances. Um, What's even scarier too, is that the board is having to come in and kind of explain to these surgeons how to do their business, how to do what they do every single day that they've been spending tens of hours of, you know, every day doing. Um, And then, all of a sudden they do this emergency rule, but they already have, you know, these consistent clientele or these people coming up set up, I'm sure months out in advance. Um, for 11 a day. I mean, having that rule come out and then having to readjust all of right. that while also having an incredibly packed schedule sounds incredibly difficult, if just not unrealistic.
0: Yeah, just crazy. I mean, it's just asking, you know, just courting disaster, I think. Um, and, and so a lot of the doctors that were um, interviewed recently were saying that they just won't even do the procedure anymore. It's just not worth it. Um, and I think the actual rate, the mortality rate was somewhere between one in 2300 and one in sixty two hundred. Um, again, for a cosmetic procedure, that's really high. Yeah. Um, and to, in comparison, so a breast surgery is one in seventy two thousand. Wow. Yeah. I mean, you can get boobs, and you're oh. not going to die. Yeah. I'm just saying. Well. Yeah. It, <laughs> decide where you put it for right? the
1: viewers. If there's anyone that's still on the fence about it,
0: <laughs> <laughs> boobs or butt. Yeah. I'm saying the safer one are the boobs. But, uh, but you know, of course it would be ideal if we would just be happy with our, our bodies and live a healthy lifestyle, but I don't, I'm not. I'm not optimistic ideal. That. but you know,
1: I, you can't judge people for wanting to, if they feel better or feel more comfortable in their body, you know, if they want to do that, then they should. What sucks is that I'm, no one would imagine the risks being that high, you know, with yeah. any type of surgery or any type of procedure, I think there's always kind of that concern, that fear, but especially with something that's, you know, so minimally invasive like this, you would assume that it would be very minimal.
0: Exactly, exactly. And yeah, and I mean, you know, I always say, I mean, everybody, we all get to choose how much risk we want to take and what we want to take it for, mm-hmm. right? But I mean, we just need, we need honesty. We need to really understand, we need to have the information so that we can make an educated decision.
1: Yeah. Uh, I want to make sure that we go over all the interesting cases.
0: Okay, all of them. All right, so you want to move off of the butts?
1: Yeah, I mean, as much fun as I've had going over them. (laughs) I know we got a few different topics to go through as well. All
0: right. Well, just one more in the news. And this was actually one that you brought to my attention. And I think shout out to Christina for seeing a sign in, in, uh, not Whole Foods, in uh, Trader Trader Joe's. Joe's. Yes, yes, yes. And so, and actually, you know, it was interesting because I had heard about this. So this involves um, a recall of frozen strawberries. And um, I had heard about this. It actually came out in February. But the thing, but, but there was an update just a couple of weeks ago on this actual recall. And this involves frozen strawberries that were produced in Baja, California, Mexico, and that they were used in a variety of brands of either frozen strawberries or tropical mix, that sort of thing. Um, and, you know, we, we talked about this a little bit because because you were asking me, hey, what about food recalls? And I was saying, you know, honestly, in most cases, there are relatively minor injuries or damages. Sometimes people get a little bit sick, um, but they don't – we don't see a lot where it's a really bad – Problem, and this one actually is. So it's the uh, strawberries have been infected with hepatitis A. They are clear that it did come from them. Um, wow. It's a very specific strain, um, and Hep A is is scary stuff. I mean, mm-hmm. it can be deadly, and it can be a, a you know a permanent condition. Um, so it's you know if you haven't heard about this, uh, check your freezers. Um, they should be off the shelves at this point, but um, the products are sold at Costco, Aldi, Trader Joe's, um, Vital Choice Choice Seafood, which was like why oh, are selling strawberries at a seafood place? Okay, um, <laughs> and PCC Community Markets and a place called Kihi, which I have not heard of. Um, anyway, so they were sold um, in and these places. Um, and the actual products, and we'll pull, put up a graphic on this, I think, um, but they're Simply Nature Organic Strawberries, Vital Choice Organic Strawberries, Kirkland Signature Organic Strawberries. Again, those are the Costco ones.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, made With um, or, is the brand, Organic Strawberries, and PCC Community Markets Organic Strawberries, and then Trader Joe's Organic Tropical Fruit Blend.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I like you said, you know, I found out about this through Christina because she saw the sign at Trader Joe's. But I had no idea that it was also in the Kirkland brand because, I mean, I know a lot of my friends have Costco memberships. And when you go to Costco, I mean, a lot of the cheapest, best options are Kirkland brand.
0: Yeah. Well, and a lot of people use these for smoothies. I yeah. mean, so they're trying to be healthy. Um, and again, it's a product that you you get. And and I know when I buy frozen stuff, I buy a whole bunch of it and it's in there for a long time. And might be, you know, a year later, I'm like, holy shit, I need to throw this stuff out. <laughs> It doesn't look so good anymore. So it's it's really important to you know go and take a look and make sure you don't have these things. Um, and as far as the actual condition, hepatitis A, it's a really nasty virus and it causes liver inflammation. But it also, it's contagious. I mean, it can be spread from person to person. So if you get this, you could actually, it could actually affect other family members, Mm -hmm. friends, people you come into contact with. Um, and it is very serious. Um, you usually get symptoms within 15 to 50 days of consuming the product. And again, it's one of those things where you have this delay, people get sick and they're, I don't remember what they ate when.
1: Yeah. I mean, even if you get it the next day, you're not going to think it has anything to do with the frozen strawberries or the smoothie that you had the day before.
0: I mean, if it's really close in time, maybe you're going to look at all the foods you ate, but you really have to look further back. Um, Some of the symptoms to look for are fatigue, nausea, vomiting, abdominal pain, jaundice, dark urine, pale stool. Um, but it also you can also be asymptomatic, and particularly with young children, like under six years old. Mm-hmm. So if you find that you did have this product and you believe you consumed it, you should actually go and see your medical care provider, even if you don't have symptoms. Mm-hmm. It's possible that you have been infected and you're asymptomatic. And so, and the other reason you really want to see a care provider right away is that there's actually a post-exposure treatment that you can get if you get it within 15 days, that can help prevent you getting the disease.
1: And is that 15 days from showing symptoms, or
0: well, from from being exposed, oh. and so the exposure would be when you consumed it. Yeah, so within if you um, and you know this comes up non in not strawberry scenarios, but where somebody knows they've been exposed by another human being, yeah. and they know when that was, then they can go to their doctor and say, here's a time frame, and if it's within the 15 days, um, it's called post exposure prophylaxis, and and they, it's basically a vaccine, mm-hmm. and um, there all actually is a vaccine some people may have already had that would protect against hep A. But if you haven't had that vaccine, again, there is this post-exposure, um, treatment that you can have. But again, it's like a time thing. Like everything we talk about is like, ah, do this right away. Check your fridge, check your freezer, see what you've got in there. And if you have a package that's open and you think you ate some of these, um, you know, check it out. Even if you're not, um, even if you're not sick, you, you might've been exposed.
1: And, and I'm not very familiar with hepatitis and kind of the details around it. I know there's hepatitis A and hepatitis B. Um, but also how, how are, People able to um, infect others. I mean, I, I, my immediate assumption was it was a blood disease, you know.
0: Yeah, no, just close contact.
1: Close, so yeah, it can be just, sneezing. Yeah, breathe.
0: yeah, close wow. contact on this, yeah. That's so.
1: crazy, and it's just—I mean—you have a smoothie, and then you go out. I mean, anywhere, right? Even yeah, if you, and you go get out to a club. somebody,
0: and the next thing you know, yeah. I mean, so there were—they actually found out about it because there were these outbreaks, and they were like, "What the heck?" And finally, and it's always crazy. Like, how do they ever figure this out? Like, how they take it back to frozen strawberries? Yeah. And I don't know the answer on this particular one, but um, you know, they did, and they did find out that it was a very particular strain, and so they're confident that's the case. There have been some more cases since um, February. Um, And so you know, they are still warning about this. Um, If you do find the product, obviously you can throw it away or you can return it to the store for Mm -hmm. a refund. Um, And uh, you you can contact the FDA if you want to, if you have been affected.
1: And I was going to ask, I mean, for, for victims of situations like this, I know that generally there will kind of be a large settlement and then you can kind of send in like either receipt or proof that you had Um, you know, had the product or experienced the the issues with it and then kind of get a small payment. Is this different? Because it seems like it's much more severe than, you know, misbranding or mismarketing.
0: Yeah. So actually it's what you're thinking of as a class action and there actually isn't a class action. Mm. So that would be a case where it's actually certified by a court. Um, But so there isn't a class action on this. Presumably the people who have been infected um, and can establish that, Either have or could pursue an individual lawsuit, and again, it's a significant enough injury yeah. that, um, that that it's, that it that it it probably is worth pursuing. Mm-hmm. You know, again, sometimes you know we've seen things where people get you know they, they have some um, GI issues for twenty four hours or so. Um, I mean, that's not worth like a huge lawsuit, and usually the companies will compensate, but. It, sometimes it's hard to establish, you know, mm-hmm. exactly that connection. With this, it's going to be pretty clear cut. If you have this strain of HEPA and you purchase these strawberries, you know, the liability and, you know, that's that's pretty much taken care of. Then it's just, what are your damages? And, you know, hopefully you had a brief illness and you've recovered, um, but you could have really, I mean, you know, it could lead to liver failure and death. So mm-hmm. there could be some really, really, really bad injuries.
1: And, and is there a recall going on? And, and yes. what does this mean for, you know, the farm in baja california mexico that we're sending these out throughout the country and putting them in products are they shut down are there is there investigation going on
0: you know um Probably. The answer is probably it's in Mexico.
1: Yeah. So that's what I was wondering is because I feel like it's a little bit more of a sticky situation.
0: Well, and I don't know exactly how they handle those things in Mexico, but I know that there are certain agreements that if you're going to ship your product into the U.S., you have to abide by certain standards. So I think that they're probably I I mean, I know the FDA is involved um, and I don't know how far back that reaches to the to the actual producers.
1: Yeah, that's terrifying. I mean, again, just trying to be healthy, having a smoothie and having yeah. something as crazy like that happen. And especially if you're asymptomatic and, you know, you kind of have this small time frame to really go and hopefully receive treatment.
0: Yeah, yeah. So anyway, good catch, Christina. I guess they still have the signs up, they which, do. and again, it's really good that the stores are doing that because if you didn't see this when it was like a little blip in the news, yeah. um, but then you're at Trader Joe's and maybe you'll remember, oh, yeah, hey. I mean, I think I do have those strawberries.
1: And I'm a massive Trader Joe's fan. I mean, yeah, they have, so, especially straw. their frozen meals or frozen products are just top tier. Their pork belly, 10 out of 10, highly <laughs> recommend, especially for ramen. Okay. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, <laughs> a
0: good shout out to Trader Joe's. Huh? A
1: big shout out. Maybe yeah. a sponsorship income. We'll see.
0: <laughs> you never know. Never know.
1: Um, updates on cases. I know that we've been going over a lot in the recent weeks. Has there been any big, um, you know, updates on any of them?
0: Um, you know, there's always, there, there's always updates. One thing that I, I thought would be good to kind of touch on as part of the update, because the, a lot of people listen to our, um, our show on the Tylenol autism connection, um, a lot of comments, um, questions, uh, and, you know, and it's a hot topic and it's yeah. and sensitive topic for sure. So I actually had a comment um, about the show and uh, a gentleman pointed out that the diagnostic um, tools these days are so much better mm-hmm. for autism and there's just more knowledge about it and that perhaps that had to do with the increased rates of diagnosis. And absolutely, I mean, there's you know, this is a multifactorial situation um, and there are a lot of other things that can cause or contribute to autism as well. So not everybody who... Has been diagnosed with autism and can show that, that uh, they were exposed um, in vitro, they're not all necessarily great cases that, that we can relate to that. Um, and one of the things that we talked about um, a bit at Mass Torts Made Perfect was this and some, and, and, and the, the factors that you look to whether or not you have a strong case. So what are the factors that would say this is a strong relationship or what are the ones that say that it's not so strong or that there may be other causes? Um, and so, so for example, some, other, some factors that would indicate that you would not want to bring this case, um, complications during pregnancy or birth, um, a child delivered by C-section as a result of birth complications, um, preterm birth, so 36 weeks and earlier. Um, this is a big one, alcohol, illicit drugs, or tobacco use while pregnant. Um, obviously, those things are, are very significant. Um, yes, the Tylenol has effects, but these things have effects, as, you know, have, <laughs> have some pretty significant effects as well. Mm-hmm. Um, also, certain prescription drugs while pregnant, um, SSRIs, anti-epileptic drugs, any opioids, those could contribute. Um, And then really important, a family history. I mean, if you have a family history of uh, autism, ADHD, uh, it's going to be really tough to say that, 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 you know, it's not hereditary, it's not related to your family history, it's actually related to the, the Tylenol. Uh, advanced maternal or paternal age, um, and then there's certain genetic mutations that that can make that more likely. Fragile X syndrome, Down syndrome, those sorts mm-hmm. of things. So um, I think it was a, it's a good point. Um, you know, we're not saying that you know there's huge increases all related to Tylenol. But um, there's a lot of synchronicity with um, – uh, that, 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 that it certainly is a good indication that it may cause or contribute in a number of cases. And that might or might not be the situation for you or your loved one. Or.
1: Yeah. And uh, I, was, I was the one that actually caught that comment. And it was good to see because I think it's, it's awesome to see that people are listening to the podcast and kind of yeah. thinking about it on their own and coming to their own conclusions. Because I think it's always good to second guess. You know, as much as we would like to say trust us, right? <laughs>
0: (laughs) (laughs) Trust a lawyer.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Same thing with the pharma companies. You know, trust us. You know, uh, it's always good to do your own research and kind of double check things. Um, But I think you bring up a great point that, you know, we're not saying that Tylenol causes all of autism. Absolutely. Just that, you know, there there are obviously other factors that can contribute to it, but there does seem to be a link and a correlation between it
0: yeah, and so that litigation is moving along quite quickly, actually. Um, and so we'll kind of we'll keep you updated on that as, as it goes along. Um, but yeah, I mean, actually, you know, please, if you have questions, comments, or just like, what the hell I don't believe this, you could say that too. I mean, that's okay. Um, you know, we're happy we're happy to provide you know additional information studies, whatever it is um, that, that we have available to us. we're happy to share.
1: Yeah, most definitely. And and especially going to these conferences, like you mentioned, I mean, there's a lot of information that comes up and kind of just get overall updates on, um, you know, how many cases are coming in and how fast it's going as well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Moving on, though, we got cases that we are currently handling.
0: Okay. Well, we're handling a lot of cases. We are. are. (laughs) But today's topic um, are hip, knee, and ankle replacements, specifically ones that are manufactured by a company called Exactech. And over the years, I've handled a lot of hip and knee cases, Um, not so much ankles, um, but this is um, an actual recall case. Um, the initial recall was in 2021, um, and the company recalled approximately 200,000 devices. And a lot of times with these joints, the issue is the design of the joint. Like we talked a lot about the mm-hmm. metal on metal where there was a little shavings of metal coming off. Yeah. And this is actually um, they're indicating a, a packaging problem, um, defective packaging. And so when they, do, they manufacture all of these joints and they ship them out to all of the hospitals um, and surgeons, they are packaged and they're supposed to have a pretty good shelf life. In fact, they say that they should have a shelf life of eight years. Mm-hmm. So you can stock up on these things um, and keep them on your shelf. Um, the problem is that the vacuum bags were missing this secondary barrier, uh, barrier layer, which provides oxygen resistance. So because it wasn't sealed properly, kind of in a nutshell, um, they were able to get oxidized. And so this is very problematic. Um, you wouldn't nec- wouldn't know it when you implant them, but what it happens is that they don't last as long. Um, they start breaking down and they can cause um, fluid retention in the area. Um, you can end up with infections and bone loss. I mean, it's really nasty. Yeah. And um, really when you start having the symptoms and the problems, it's the damage is done. Mm-hmm. Um, you're not hurting until there's problems with your tissue and bones. And so then it requires undergoing a revision surgery. And if anybody's had a joint replacement, it's hell to recuperate from.
1: I was gonna say, I mean, out of any type of surgical procedure, a joint replacement is the most like terrifying to me. I mean, one of the most invasive, right? Like, I can imagine, you know, getting in the muscles, throwing stuff in there. But when it's the joint, I mean, com- completely taking it out and replacing it. I mean, that is just, it, it makes me, you know, shake a little bit, shiver. I don't know.
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it, it gives me that feeling too, but at the same time, I mean, I've seen so many people who've had just, just miraculous results yes, where they yeah. literally get their life back. I mean, mm-hmm. they couldn't walk, they couldn't be active. And I mean, it's one of like the, the, the greatest accomplishments in surgeries, yeah. you know, in recent times, I think. I mean, it's amazing when it works well, It's it's just great. The problem is, you know, if you get a bad, one and you have to you have to take it out mm-hmm. and now you're dealing with not healthy tissue and bone. sometimes you actually have bone loss um, and so that so that second surgery is usually much much worse yeah. and really these these things are supposed to last for a really long time I mean hips they're saying should last 15 years or more needs 20 years or more. So when no. you get this, you're not thinking you're going back in in 3 4 5 years.
1: Well, and I'm assuming a lot of the people that are getting this too are probably, you know, older individ- individuals that you know, I don't know what bad to say, but aren't necessarily super concerned about fifteen or twenty years in the I right,
0: now I'm an older adult, now I'm concerned about fifteen or twenty but but actually what you would be surprised is that there are a lot of younger people because there are a lot of sports injuries. Oh,
1: I didn't even think about yeah. that. That's massive. Yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah, A lot of sports injuries. So it's not always necessarily older people. Yeah. And again, if you're twenty five and getting one, I mean, you know you're gonna have to have a second one in all likelihood. But yeah. but twenty years how has come to be ouах? again, that's a long ways down the road. And when we're talking about looking at the risks, you know, here's, here's what the deal is. You didn't sign up for a deal for five years.
1: Well, and like you mentioned as well, in 20 years, once you do the replacement, it should be, you know, not a pleasant experience, but there's not going to be, you know, immense damage in that area compared to when there's a malfunction in the device where right. there's, there's issues already. So putting in the second one's not going to just be a kind of, just a easy switch. There's, there's more problems associated. Yeah.
0: No, really bad ones. I mean, it's just some of the things I've seen over the years with the Depew and the striker mm-hmm. um, I mean horrible issues you know where people I mean well they were, I mean then they get infections there were some death cases mm-hmm. I mean you can become septic. Um, you know, amputations where they or they could never, they could not replace the joint.
1: Jeez. And so what happens on, on recall situations like this? I mean, I I know earlier you mentioned, I think an air fryer recall where you-
0: you, (laughs) Slightly different. Yeah.
1: Right. Like you just cut the cord and you turn it in, but compared to this, where even if you're not having issues, if you know that you've had this type of um, you know, joint implemented into your body, do you just, even with no issues, you have to go back and just have that surgery again?
0: Well, not necessarily. So the recommendation is that if you know that you have this type of implant, you want to go and you want to talk to your surgeon mm-hmm. and they can do some testing to see if it looks like there's damage um, up front. So you wouldn't want to just necessarily go in and, and take it out, but you would also want to catch any kind of problematic changes earlier rather than later before the, the, the real significant damage is done. So it's important to know if you have it um, and to talk to your 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 physician about, you know, what type of, of testing, you know, preventative testing they want to do. Um, and, you know, one thing I just kind of wanted to, to pitch in here is that a lot of people are like, I don't, I'm not really sure what I have. I mean, they might know... They might know exact tech, but they wouldn't know which exact product because, of course, they yeah. have different different models. And um, oftentimes um, I had people come in and say, oh, well, you know, I have this the Striker card and here's what it says. Because when you get a joint replacement, oftentimes you're given this little card to use at the airport.
1: It's because really? there's metal, well,
0: there's metal in your body. Oh, I didn't even think about yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. And so when you go through security, they're going to see that, and so people will hand the card to the to them at security. But the doctors oftentimes just give them any old card because they're like, it doesn't really matter. You know, a TSA guy doesn't need to know which model you have. <laughs> yeah, they just need this. So so those aren't even aren't always accurate. Um, the best thing really to do is to uh, you can ask your surgeon. Um, they will have these specific information. Um, there were. Recall letters that went out to patients, but they did not go out to everybody. Mm -hmm. Um, And then there's also issues about people move and this and that. And somehow I I just had so many back in the striker days. I mean, recall letters had to go out to everybody. And Mm -hmm. I can't tell you how many of my patients or my clients, um, the doctor's patients said they never received that letter. They they did not know.
1: And I mean, going off of, you know, knowing what type of joint replacement brand you have. I mean, that's not like a, a new car where you're driving around saying, Oh, look, I got a Mercedes Benz, you know, you're not driving, we're walking around saying, "Yeah, I got an x in in here." Uh-huh. Um,
0: well, I- even with the Mercedes Benz, I mean, is it like an E 300? Is it a yeah. M class? Is it all of these things? And it's the same thing here with Exactech. There's a bunch of different ones. I mean, AcuMatch, um, MCS, Novation, uh, you know. Novation constrained. I mean, there's all of these different terms.
1: And, and with this product specifically, and I know with recalls, it'll kind of be like any product that was sent out or sold after this date. Is that this type of situation or is it just all of this specific um tech model?
0: So it involves devices that were manufactured anywhere between 2004 and 2021.
1: Oh, but you're, it's yeah, a lot. Yeah, that is a
0: lot. Yeah, yeah. I mean,
1: anyone that probably got it before that probably already had it replaced at this point.
0: No, well, maybe. So it's well. They're saying they they're um, estimating approximately 200,000. Wow. Yeah. So um, again, if you think that you might have had one of these, it's a really good idea to get in touch with your physician. Mm-hmm. Um, you. Um, you know, hopefully you will be somebody who does not need to have it replaced, but unfortunately um, it, doesn't, it doesn't look good if you have one of these actual recall devices. Um, and these cases, they have been around for a while. They actually are consolidated into a multi-district litigation since October of last year, um, that's in New York. And so these cases are proceeding along. If you do have um, one of these implants, it is, if you want to participate in the case and be compensated, it is very important to reach out to an attorney sooner rather than later. Um, again, the timeframes on these, sometimes um, they will... Depending on the state, it could be from the date of the surgery. But, but um, in, in many states, it's from the date that you knew or should have known the problem. It could be from the date of the recall letter... Or it could be from the date of the symptoms, and again, this it varies. So it's really critical that if you think you have this thing, even if you're not having symptoms, yeah. it's best to reach out, um, you know, and get some more information.
1: Yeah, and it's it sucks that I mean, I just know it's the way it goes, but it sucks that there's so many different kind of things that play into how long or how long you know the case. I don't know if case goes, but how long you yeah. can kind of claim. Yeah, damages statute of limitations, it. like yeah. the limit
0: on the time before, I, you know, the, the, the time within which you have to bring the claim. Yeah. Um, and it's super complicated. But I mean, I guess that's what keeps me in business. Right. I mean, the... <laughs> and,
1: and, and it sounds like too. I mean, with any type of situation like this, where maybe you don't feel like you were actually a victim of the case. I mean, like the hepatitis, for example, mm-hmm. we're talking about, even if you aren't showing symptoms, even if you aren't having issues with your ankle or knee implant, it's still good to get it checked out because it might be building up and it's just not there yet. Like you just haven't noticed it quite yet.
0: Yeah. Well, and you know, that kind of comes back to maybe just another rule of thumb, kind of like for your friend with the seven years, Um, you know, if you're going to get a, a, a artificial joint, I mean, like it's a, Big deal. Mm-hmm. And, you know, ask your physician or your surgeon, how long has this product been out? You know, how many patients have you implanted with this? That sort of thing. Because, you know, there'll be these brand new products. Oh, this is like new and exciting and better. And sometimes the surgeons jump on board with that. And they're like, oh, you're lucky. You're gonna be one of the first people to get this fancy new thing. Well, you might not be so lucky because mm-hmm. that fancy new thing, you know, you are you might be the one testing it. I mean, you're basically the guinea pig sometimes. And so um, with those as well, I, I'm not wanting the brand new thing
1: yeah and and you know on that point I think that it can be really difficult and almost intimidating to question doctors you know as much as like for us here to be sitting here and be like ask these questions do this I I I know you know when you're in that office and when you're being kind of presented these ideas a lot of information a lot of big words are being thrown at you it's scary it's it's scary and already you know the situation you're in yeah, getting a joint replaced it is a terrifying thing and it's something that I know if I was in that position I would want to. To kind of just take a step back and be like, you know, my doctor, take care of me. You know, yeah. just, just do do what you got to do. But unfortunately, uh, sometimes that's just not not the best.
0: Yeah. well and the, because the doctors don't necessarily I mean they're not going to well I, I would hope they're not going to implant something where they think that they're gonna have to mm-hmm. then go and do a revision surgery um, I I know when I was going through like the striker ones it was a very very difficult revision surgery because they actually had to take out the femoral stem rather than just the actual um, you know the hip joint um, and I mean the doctors were just devastated by this I mean again it's one of those surgeries where you know wow you know you fix the person and they're so happy and it just it's great and And then they're coming back and they're worse than they were. And now you have to do another surgery and it's a, a a more difficult recuperation. And I I mean, they were just, they were very upset and very apologetic and just super frustrated with the whole situation. So, um, you know, again, they didn't certainly didn't have that information or they would not have used those, those, um, those implants. So, um, I, I, I would definitely recommend, I mean, it is a lot of information, um, that you know, ask your doctor, what do you know about these implants? How long have you been, you know, how long have, have you used these? Um, you know, you, you again, it, it, it sounds kind of funny with the seven years, but probably five to seven years. I mean, with a lot of like the metal on metal, you would see the problems. So, um, you know, again, just, just make sure that the product's been out there for a while. It's been tested by other people, not just you.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I know. And I can't even imagine for these doctors, it must be so awful, right? Like they're coming into this business trying to help people and having to, for something that, you know, you, you weren't told anything, right? You were almost kept in the dark and having to have this face to face conversation. I just can't even imagine.
0: Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, you know, maybe take a, take a break and, you know, it's not like you have to make all your decisions, right? That one second, take time to, you know, maybe, I mean, a lot of people before a big procedure, they say, you know, let me get back to you. And, you know, the next few days, the next week or something, you know, do a little bit of research, Um, you know, but again, it's, I mean, it's a great, it's a great surgery for most people. Um, You know, if it's a good product wow. I mean, life-changing.
1: Yeah. And I think, I mean, you, you kind of mentioned this before as well as you've had people, even with cases that you haven't covered, they might've heard something or maybe, you know, they've heard that there's hip replacement issues and they don't know what they've had. It's always good to at least go and ask and, 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 you know, kind of reach out and see what's going on with, with whatever product or or drug you might be using.
0: Oh, absolutely. And, you know, back when we were, um, when we were doing some advertising for various hips i mean people would call and say hey you know i don't have that particular hip but i do have this type have you heard of problems with them um i mean absolutely reach out i mean we're happy to provide any information that that we have on the products there may be litigation out there um there may not be um it may be something maybe a a malpractice issue it may be with the way that the product was implanted again if you know if you're having problems i mean feel free to um to reach out and You know, we're always happy to, um, if it's something we don't handle, we can help you find somebody who does because... As we always say, we've been involved in this business for a while. And so, um, you know, we we know who's out there and we're happy to help you find the right place.
1: And I know, uh, you know, some people might not be in the Tucson area. They're not be able to come in and ask questions. And obviously, we're not going to ask to post in the comments all the drugs and and devices (laughs) you've had implemented. But, um, you know, we do have Facebook. We do, uh, you know, a Facebook messenger. You can throw us messages there. You can send us an email. I mean, even if you just want to send over your list of of drugs or devices that you have and, and just to double check to see if they're. Has been any issues, or there's any issues at the moment? You know, I think we're more than happy to kind of go through and.
0: Oh yeah, absolutely. We do it for our friends and family, so we can also do it for our pod squad, I'd right? yeah, say they're <laughs> friends and family at this point.
1: Hey, absolutely.
0: They've heard some. They've heard some tales at this point. Yeah. gotten to know us a little bit, I suspect.
1: Yeah, and I know we are kind of coming to a close here on the show. I wanted to see if you have any closing topics, or maybe some sneak peeks for what we're gonna hear <laughs> next sneak week. Sneak
0: peeks. Yeah, I don't know if it's gonna be exciting. you know, this Brazilian butt lift, cool sculpting. But, um, so next week I'd like to talk a little bit about hernia mesh. Um, this has been going on for a long time, but, and there are some settlements happening, but there are some products that, uh, the settlements have not happened yet, but time is kind of, of the essence at this point. And so, um, I think a lot of people maybe know about that, but I'd like to just dive into that a little bit more detail next week. Um, and hopefully have some good juicy questions from, from our listeners to As well,
1: yeah, I know hernia mesh, like you said, has been going on for a long time, and is one of those cases that kind of opened my eyes a little bit to just how severe some of these yeah. complications can be.
0: I actually think when you you were in college and you came and met me when I was at a meeting up in Scottsdale about the hernia mesh, probably, yeah, that was quite a while ago. I think that was at the very beginning, mm-hmm. so we're probably talking a good five maybe five, six years ago. It's crazy. Yeah. It's yeah. Been a while. So a lot's happened. So we're not going to cover everything and in, in our 20 minute discussion of <laughs> it, but definitely give some updates um, and happy to answer any questions on it.
1: Yeah. And speaking of questions, I mean, if anyone has any questions, feel free to throw it in the comments. I mean, should throw us a, a DM in Facebook if you don't want everyone seeing it or email, whatever it may be. But um, so far, I mean, it's been awesome kind of seeing the interaction that we've had yeah. and having people even just reach out individually to me and kind of talk about some thoughts that they had or some ideas that they had as well for the for the podcast
0: absolutely it's been fun
1: it's been fun well we'll be back next week thank you everyone for for tuning in thank you with that being said have a great weekend prioritizing profits prioritizing dangerous
0: drug and product cases